Welcome to another episode of the Prairie Perspective Podcast presented by Player Golf. Matt here, and on today's episode, we'll talk to University of Michigan forward and Saskatoon native Jimmy Lambert about what life is like for him down in Ann Arbor, including playing alongside Quinn Hughes and against the likes of Trevor Zegras, Alex Turcott, and Cole Caulfield, and what his experiences have been like at NHL camps with the New York Islanders and Calgary Flames. We'll also catch up with Football Canada president and host of TSN's Crown Gridiron Nation, Jim Mullen, about the potential impacts of the cancellation of youth sports football, including how this will affect the University of Saskatchewan Huskies and Saskatoon Hilltops. But before we get into those interviews, let's catch in with the boys. DB, what's going on? Not much, man. Just uh, play tennis on uh, Monday. This is a uh, good doubles action. Got the upset win. Me and Brett Matlock beat uh, Eric and Matt. One yeah, game. After, there's still one, one game after we'll the eight losses. <laughs> what? Terrible. <laughs> Besides that, just been chilling, man. After we won five straight, we yeah, had to give you guys, you guys a game at one straight. point. Hey, we still we still got a game because we didn't have a stable team. You know, we were doing rotations. It was like Trev, me, Brett, Matlock. Buddy let's was talk, all. Uh, let's talk and about he got the hit whole... in the chin, so he's out. <laughs> I want to know about the walk open. I want to know what that was all about. I heard oh. some. I heard some stories already. It sounded like quite the time. What a weekend! Trevor Man's cabin never uh, fails to disappoint. The first annual walk annual golf soiree definitely lived up to expectations. Shout out Trevor for having the boys. Sixteen man tournament, two man scramble, qualifier Saturday, match play Sunday. Lived up to the expectations, I'd say. Eric, what were your thoughts on the weekend? Oh, I had a dandy old time. Uh, Friday, there's Friday, some office. Friday Friday's, fight night. Friday fight night. Friday Friday started off nice. I think like two or three o'clock rolled around the office. We got into the beers a bit, um, and then uh, yeah, that set the pace for the weekend. That's for sure. And then Friday night, um, got up to walk and hit the boat a little bit. Um, had a royal rumble that I just can't comprehend. And yeah, then, we're, uh, we're sitting in the hot tub, and all of a sudden. Who started it? Did you say you could beat up Cole? No, I didn't say anything. I was just sitting there and someone's like, we need a fight tonight or something. <laughs> and then I was just sitting there, like just minding my business. Like I was just like, had a couple beers. Like I wasn't like drunk or nothing. And then someone's like, Cole and Ballon would be a good fight. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, all right. All of a sudden, everyone just starts throwing money down. Walsh says, I got 200 bucks on Ballon. Everybody's I said screaming I'm out numbers. I said I'm only fighting if I get 300 bills on the line. So, and then Boys the, money, came to play. the money started flying. I think there was about there was like 15 of us there that night, and I think all but two had money on the fight. So I think the uh, two drunkest people were the refs because they clearly couldn't figure out who won. And I thought I had three takedowns. I Eric, think Cole had Eric one, got so. absolutely robbed. Thank Nobody you. could make a decision, but Eric was the clear victor. But a little too too controversial, I think, to award a winner without Why? money on the line. I don't know. It, it was it, you had the upper hand, but I don't know if you can give it away like that. But anyways, moving on. I had no money game. on it, so I didn't really give a shit. But yeah, yeah. did uh, but did I Twom- felt good after. Twomley and Walsh won. Is that what I saw? Twomley and Walsh uh, ended up taking the tournament. Edged maybe out, the uh, most rigged team in the entire tournament. Yeah, edged out Strecky and myself, and on uh, Sunday it was all square heading into nine. But if it ended uh, nine whole course of walk, obviously. If it ended all square, they would have had the advantage. With Twomley and Walsh were sober all weekend. Let's yep. just put that in there, too. Put that in there, too. Um, absolute sandbaggers. Sober sallies. 
you know, we put up a good fight, but it wasn't meant to be. You know, it was uh, we had our backs against the wall from the get go, but didn't let that stop us. What kind of handicap was Twomley rocking in this tournament? Twomley had uh, three mulligans. Twomley had three. Twomley had no, maybe he only had two. Scratch that, he only had two. Oh, thank God, because I had three, and I was gonna say that's pretty rigged if Twomley only has three. Yeah. Twomley and I are in the same playing field. Walsh Walsh was the lone guy in the field with none. I had one. And then Isaac had one, I think. Isaac and myself had one each. We were the yeah, second lowest. And then Sterecki had four. But yeah. It was a good weekend to say the least. Most disappointing player of the tournament might have to be Connor Olinick. He absolutely choked. Guy's a pretty steady player. He ended up uh winning the D flight. Um, consolation side D flight or what? <laughs> biggest surprise of the tournament might just have to be Cole Parodzik. He actually put on a kind of a show. CP brought that white arrow burner to the tee box and he ripped a couple down the pipe. Even after team. getting beat up Friday night, yeah, he came to play. Ended up uh, battling it out. How about uh, Matlock and I taking the third place? If you guys would have saw us on Saturday, Sunday, I don't know. You guys might have lost it to us. We were fucking striping on Saturday. We shot even, and I think, what did you guys finish? One over, both of y'all? Uh, on no. Sunday? Walsh, Walsh and Twomley were even also. Oh, they were even also? Interesting. So you guys were playing, you guys were playing a scramble, hey? Yeah, yeah. How many, so how many drives did they have to use of Twomley's when they were playing? Uh, no have, they, used to, they used most of Twomley's, though. That would have been interesting, though, if you had to take a certain, like, four of one guy's tee shots and five of the other. That's the way the Willows Backshop Cup's working is, like, we're playing an 18-hole scramble, but you got to take two drives each side of your – at least one player. Yeah, I like drive, that rule. Drives or tee shots, can you do it on a three? Sorry, yeah, tee shots. Tee shots. Tee shots. Yeah, that would have been interesting. I had a best But idea, it, it honestly – it kind of punishes, like, the weaker players more. Like, it that would punish – like – if well, we did that with our tournament, Twomley and Walsh would have, like, had a bigger upper hand, I would say. Yeah, I, I'm looking at it as, like, you get your guy that's not as good, so you get to, like, your seventh hole, and maybe there's, like, only a 20-yard difference in drive, so you take yeah, 20 yards more less just to scratch that sure. off. So that, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's mind games out there. It's strictly yeah, mind games in a scrambled eggs. For sure. What else has been going on? Nothing. Been playing tennis, uh, working today. Got a staff party tonight. Oh, oh yeah, it's unreal now. Oh yeah, I'm fired little up. little midweek soiree. I know. If only it was like a week from now, so I could I give some time to recover after the Walk Lake Invitational. But uh, right back into it, I guess. Um, Unfortunately, that's kind of crazy. Why are you guys doing it? It's just like casual, like drinks for Wednesday or what? Um, it's honestly always a wild card. Like the last one I went to, there's just a couple people who like just some of them like couldn't even walk. Like they were wow. fucking wasted. Oh, I would say it couldn't walk, but like company coverage too, or what? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So it's pretty sweet, actually. Yeah, we're doing like a bike pub crawl, so we're gonna go to Fort. Like we're just gonna bike to one girl's house, and then we're gonna bike to like another guy's, another guy's, another guy's. Like a bunch of houses on the east side, and then they got like games and shit in their backyard. There's maybe even like a little kegger sitting in one backyard. It could heat up pretty good. That'd I don't be a know treat. how you got this gig, but props to you. What do you mean, how did I get on? Fucking first class. Oh, hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Oh, easy to Office respect guys, it. eh, Bala? I respect it, dude. Guy Office likes, guys. He has a good time with his team. His boss buys him lunch every time he's there. 
No, when I went for my interview, they go, you're clearly the best candidate. This was two summers ago when I actually had to do an interview. I might have to call a little BS on that one. I'm not too No, that's what he said. He called me. He said, you're a best candidate. You You seem like the best guy for the job. Most experience. Good guy. I just talked to him about hockey for half the interview, so it was pretty sweet. Well, that's chill. These last two days it's just been crazy out there. Everyone's hats are blowing off their heads. Yeah, I'm a little tired of the member complaints. Uh huh. Yeah. Can you turn the wind down? LOL. Hear that one. Down. Yeah. 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 Classic. At least Classic. five five a shift. Frank, nah. is it yesterday? I biked to work. I was like, oh, I gotta get some more exercise after a long weekend at Waka. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna bike there. Whatever. I got like a block from my house, and I was like, holy shit! Like this wind is blowing in my grill. There's like 50k an hour winds. I got to the office in like half hour. My back was so sweaty from just having the backpack on. It was disgusting. All right, time now to send it over to interview with Jimmy Lambert, presented to you by our friends at Player Golf. Player blasted out some big news on the social media in the past couple days. Here is their new Saskatchewan head cover is officially back in stock, and nothing emulates the prairie flavor that we're all about like this sweet edition of the kit, which is now available for drivers as well as fairway woods. Support local and use the promo code PRAIRIE20 for 20% off your order today. And also make sure to check out the pod on Insta where we're running a contest right now for a $50 player gift card. Check player out today at playergolf.com. That's P-L-Y-R-Golf.com. And with that, we'll send it over to Jimmy. Welcome to the Prairie Perspective Podcast, a member of the Michigan Wolverines men's hockey team, Saskatoon native Jimmy Lambert. Jimmy, thanks for taking the time. We'll get right into it here. Not often do you see a guy from Sask make the decision to play NCAA hockey. When did you sort of shift your focus from trying to play in the dub to heading south of the border? It was probably when I didn't get selected in the Bantam draft. Obviously, that's a tough day for anyone um, that's trying to play hockey or ultimately WHL, which is a pretty big thing in Saskatchewan for um, minor hockey players. But, yeah, probably when I didn't get drafted, um, my focus shifted to the college route. And, um, you know, when I went to BC, a decision kind of came about when I heard about, like, the scholarship rate. You know, there's about 100 players a year that get a scholarship to Division One colleges. So um, that's obviously pretty appealing. So um, I went over there and um, played for three years, which was uh, which was a great time. Um, definitely never forget all the billets, the friends, and, and the teammates I played with, a very skilled, uh, high-paced league. Uh what was your uh, time like over there in New Berlin and uh, how has it helped you at uh, Michigan this far? And then secondly on that, uh, you improved every year uh, as far as like point totals go in uh, BC. What uh, thing did you work on to take you to the next level? Yeah, um, it's a big jump going from midget to junior A, uh, playing against bigger bigger bodies and, and a faster pace and, and better goalies. So I think for me, it was just kind of trying to, adjust the game speed um and then coaching staff and and uh once you take care of uh the d zone obviously the pucks will start to go in and i think um probably second half of my first year the puck started to go in a little bit more and then it kind of just propelled from then on and um my third year things went pretty well in the league and and obviously got my scholarship to michigan which was uh, a dream come true for sure what was it like going from Vernon Town Arbor and kind of what was that rookie year like for you? So it's a bit of a transition period, but, you know, as, a, as the season went on, you get a little bit more comfortable um, playing at that stage, seeing some of those those big names that end up playing in the NHL even a year after you play with them and against them is obviously pretty cool. Um, but then, you know, this past year came around and I had a little bit bigger of a role on the team, 
and started playing a little bit more power play and penalty kill. Um, but, you know, overall, I mean, I couldn't have asked for anything more. It's just a pretty special place and pretty electric uh, in, in Yosa Ice Arena with the children, the Yosa, the student section. So um, if people ever get the chance to go to the Detroit area, definitely stop by and watch a game at Michigan, that's for sure. You scored the game-winning goal against Lake Superior State this past season. Take us through that play and moment, and what was that feeling like? Um, yeah, that was uh, pretty early in the season. I think it might have been second or even first weekend. Um, but it was kind of a broken play to begin with in, um, in the neutral zone, and I got a pass from actually my roommate, Nick Blankenberg, um, on the left half wall, and kind of just walked into the blue line and kind of had a little bit of a screen from the D-man in front of me, and I just um, – kind of tried to change the angle and pulled around the D-man and shot it far side. And I don't really know what happened. The goalie didn't really move too quick, but uh, just kind of went over his shoulder and, and into the net. And obviously scoring a goal in that building is pretty special anytime. So, um, but with it being that early on in the year, you know, it's always good to get that, that confidence in um, right away and, you know, hopefully keep the ball rolling. Uh, in your uh, freshman year, you led all freshmen in that uh, point. What did that uh, mean to you? being points leader? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, we have a pretty big, we have a pretty big class and a pretty good class. Uh, I think that um, we were one of the older classes last year in, in all of uh, college hockey, but um, you know, all those guys in, in that class are special players and, they, and we all play a different role. And, um, you know, I was just fortunate to have maybe one or two more points and, and, a couple other guys in my class, but it wasn't necessarily a, a great season offensively for me, but it was a big, um, it was a big learning curve and I had to adjust some parts of my to, you know, make sure that in my sophomore year, I had a bigger role. Um, but, you know, the second half of the year, uh, the points started to come a little bit better as I kind of adapted my game and played a little bit um, smarter defensively. And, um, Cause that's one of the biggest things that our coaches always talk about is, is making sure that you take care of your own zone um, and then the offense will come. So, yeah, it was definitely pretty cool to kind of have a little bit of a a good second half of the season to put up some more points. But, um, yeah, I think that um, it was a big learning curve, obviously. Like student-athletes all across North America, COVID-19 kind of struck right prior to your championship run, halting your season prior to a matchup against Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament. With the Frozen Four being held in Michigan this year, it must have just been an absolute dagger for you guys to see an opportunity like that to play close to home, fall through the cracks. Yeah, that was pretty tough. Um, obviously, we started off that year not exactly the greatest. I think we were 0-6-1 in the Big Ten to start the year. And then um, around Christmas time, we kind of lit a match and kind of it just took off. Um, I think we were like probably one of the hottest teams in the country from Christmas to uh, the time when the season kind of got put to a halt. Um, yeah, so we were com we were completely rolling, kind of uh, – Kind of had that feeling within the locker room that we didn't think we were going to lose really ever. Um, it's always a good feeling like that. Um, but when we had the chance to obviously play Ohio State in the Big Ten uh, quarterfinals, and, and it kind of just – it was really quick and weird how it all happened. I mean, we were practicing on a Thursday. We were supposed to play them on a Sunday. Um, we came up, up, the, up from the ice, and our coach came into the room, and he looked a little teary-eyed, and he said, boys, our season's over, and it just kind of – just boom, um, you know, kind of just was all shut down right in front of us. Obviously, like you said, the big, uh, the Frozen Four was in Detroit. 
that was the ultimate goal. We had that posted on the board from day one, you know, get to Detroit. Um, and we all figured, you know, if we got to Detroit, there was no way we weren't going to win that. Um, you know, a building holds like 22,000 fans at Little Caesars Arena, and I'm pretty sure that it would have been packed full with um, some amazing blue colors, that's for sure. So it was definitely tough. Obviously, you got to feel for the, the seniors who kind of didn't really get to see their their last season close out and see what they could do. But, um, you know, for us, the guys that are coming back, it's uh, it's a little bit unfinished business, and we're all looking forward to, you know, maybe making it to the Frozen Four this next year. I got to ask about Quinn Hughes. You played alongside him last year with the Wolverines. What was it like being around that guy day in and day out? Yeah, that's uh, that's a question that guys on our team get a lot when they go home. Um, you know, obviously, he's a pretty popular guy right now in the NHL. Um, probably should win the Calder. Um, but, yeah, I mean, from the from the moment I first saw him on the ice, I was like, wow, this, this kid's a real deal. I mean, he's got quicker hands and – than anyone I know and quicker feet than anyone I know. I mean, I, it's the craziest thing about him was just watching him all year last year, um, you know, make guys look stupid in college hockey. And then basically when he signed his contract, he went to the NHL and did the exact same thing in the NHL. It almost, it almost seems like he's better in, in, at the NHL level. Um, and I, and I, I mean, I think a lot of people would say that and agree with me there, but um, yeah, he's a special player. I think the way he moves around and, and sees the game is, I mean, Wayne Gretzky has said it himself. He's in the All-Star game. He uh, went in and had a breakaway goal, and, and Wayne Gretzky said, you know, that kid's got better hands than, uh, than I think I did. So, obviously, when someone like that says something about you, you're, you're pretty good. you got to be the real deal for that to happen. He's a pretty, like, quiet and reserved guy in uh, the media. What's he kind of like behind the – behind the scenes and have you kind of got any stories of them that stand out to you yeah Quinn Quinn's a Quinn's a character he's pretty funny um he's definitely like the, like all the guys in the Canucks call him they call him Huggy Bear or whatever he's a little teddy bear um but uh he's he is a quiet guy but once you get to know him kind of behind closed doors he, he's pretty funny um him and his brothers uh Luke and Jack are kind of the same way Jack's a little bit more of an outgoing kind of guy but um yeah, Quinn, um, if he's in a room with a bunch of people, he won't say much. But when there's just one or two, yeah, he's always got a, got a lot to say, that's for sure. You've had the chance to play against a list of absolute studs the past couple of years. Guys like Jack, Cole Caulfield, Matthew Boldy, Alex Turcott, Trevor Zegras. Is there one of those guys that's really stood out to you? Uh, Trevor Zegras, um, I, I've never seen someone um, with the ability to pass the puck like him. It's actually pretty incredible uh he reminds me a lot of uh like kind of like Patrick Kane just how well he sees the ice and um you know multiple times a game I mean we all saw in the world junior championship this year he, he'll be coming down the way and all of a sudden he'll be spinning around and firing a puck across the crease right onto a guy's tape for an open net um not many people can do that and you know one of those guys obviously Patrick Kane like they compared him to but um I think Trevor Zegers in my eyes was probably uh, last year, players that I played against him, just because of like how well he sees the ice, he's just a super skilled, um, you know, two hundred foot player, really, which is um, probably something that the Anaheim Ducks are looking forward to. Um, obviously, he signed with them this past uh, spring, so um, they're going to be getting a good player out of him, that's for sure. Uh, you've attended rookie camps with the Flames and the Islanders. Uh, what were those experiences like? for you as a player? For me, obviously, when I went to Calgary, um, 
first off, I want to say they're both completely different, um, kind of with how they're run. Um, you know, one was more of a, a boot camp, and the other was more of a developmental skill, um, kind of knowledge-based camp. And um, when I went to Calgary, I was a little bit more underdeveloped, obviously. Now I have two years of college um, weightlifting and, and everything. Everyone knows we get a lot of that in. But um, when I went to Calgary, I think I was a lot weaker. Um, it was a little bit of a wake-up call, obviously, just to see, you know, kind of what level I needed to be at to compete with the guys that are signed um, and, their, and their top prospects. Um, so that was a really good experience for me going to Calgary. I, I got to room with Dylan Dubay, who's now um, playing. I think he's on the line with Milan Lucic. So that was pretty, pretty cool to just kind of pick his brain and kind of see how he goes day-to-day in a camp like that. Um, and then, you know, ultimately they prepared me for, for my first season in, in college hockey. And then, um, after my freshman year, I went to the Islanders camp, like you said, and that one was a little, little bit more, um, it went better for me. It gave me a better chance to kind of showcase my game. Um, you know, things went really well in that camp. Um, and I got invited back there this year. So, um, you know, I really liked that organization as well. Um. It was a fun time. Got to see a, a Yankees game with all the guys, too, which is pretty cool. Obviously, you know, guys at that camp are pretty skilled, too. You got um, Oliver Wallstrom, uh, Kiefer Bellows, two guys that both played in the NHL this year. So um, it's pretty cool to go see and, and kind of compare yourself to see where you need to be. Uh, you were an academic all Big Ten. Uh, how do you balance academics with hockey? And what is like a, a regular day look for an NCAA hockey player like day to day? Balancing school and hockey, it's – if you've grown up playing sports, you kind of know how, how it goes, and it really it doesn't change kind of throughout your entire life playing sports and going to school. So it's it's not really too challenging, but you just have to be organized. That's the biggest thing, making sure you know what games you have or what your what your athletic schedule is um, for a week and then – or two weeks even in advance because you kind of need to get some stuff done on time and a little bit beforehand. But um, – and then obviously – um, yeah, it really just comes down to making sure you know what your schedule is both on the ice and, and in the classroom and making sure you're getting stuff done on time. Um, but yeah, a, a day for me basically goes um, probably like wake up at, uh, I'd say 7.30, go to the rink for a lift, um, have breakfast at the rink after, and then walk up to class till about probably 12.30. I usually try and schedule two classes a day. Um, and then that is myself I like taking classes earlier um lots some guys like taking them later so they can sleep in but I like taking them earlier so I'm getting done get them done with and then uh, I can go home have a good lunch uh have a little bit of a nap and then go to the rink at around 2 30 uh 2 o'clock for um practice and then uh practice usually we get off the ice around 4 35 um and then we have dinner at the rink and then uh, we walk across the street to our student academic center which is where all 900 of us athletes will go to have tutors or just have access to computers and internet and whatnot. Um, and then do your homework and um, kind of go home, maybe play some video games, just kind of hang out, watch some hockey or any other sports. Um, so it's, it's not too bad. Um, once you get the hang of it, it's pretty fun. You can kind of learn how to manage your time a little bit better, um, but it's uh, definitely an enjoyable, but long day. Um, I'll definitely miss it when it's over. That's for sure. I hear lots of guys say that they wish they could come back to uh, freshman year. And, and for me right now, you're a rising junior um, or a third-year student. Um, and I could already tell you that I want to go back to freshman year just because it's been so fun. 
know you were an absolute stick back in the day when it came to golf, whether it be at the Lobstick or repping for the Centennial Chargers. I know in high school I had a bogey-free Sunday 66 to win a provincial title in 2016. Did you ever think about going the golf road instead of hockey, or when did you did you always know it was hockey? Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of times. I mean, obviously, good buddies with guys like Mark Sweeney and Ty Campbell, Roman Timmerman, Kate Johnson. Those guys all play college golf. Um, and those are the guys that I would play with and kind of compete against. But, um, you know, I, I always – my passion has always been hockey, and golf has kind of just been a thing that uh, – or more so a pastime in the summer after a morning lift or something like that. And I would just kind of play for fun, play in the odd tournament. But, um, yeah, there were definitely times where golf was uh, was uh, kind of in the back of my mind saying, you know, it could be fun to, um, you know, go play college golf. But I think um, – probably had a better chance of making it playing hockey. So that's kind of where I, why I chose hockey. Do you get a chance to hit the link much when you're in Ann Arbor at all? Um, yeah, uh, we have a, we have a couple pretty nice courses actually. Um, there's a, there's a two actually on, on the campus. So one's called Roderick Farms and the other one's just University of Michigan golf course. Um, I can't remember what his name is, but the, the Michigan course is actually designed by the same guy who designed Augusta which is pretty cool. And then um, the Radrick Farm ones, which is on the north side of campus, is uh, designed by Pete Dye. Obviously, he's a legendary uh, golf course designer. So last year, I probably played 70 rounds up there. We got a pretty good student deal for membership. It's like 300 bucks. So I uh, play every day. That's not bad. Yeah, work out in the morning, skate at 11, and then go to the course after. Not a bad, uh, not a bad day. You spent some time with Dinesh in the Willows back shop back in the day. What do you remember about his antics? Yeah, well, you know, Dinesh, good character, love the guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know I remember when he first came in, just a little guy, um, teaching him how to how to work the picker and clean some clubs. But you know, you could always get a good laugh out of Dinesh. I love the guy. It's pretty, pretty good, pretty good back shop coworker. That's for sure. We had some good times back there cleaning golf balls. Uh, there's been two games between Michigan and Michigan State outdoors. I'm curious if you've heard any talk of uh, Cold War Three being in the works. Yeah, um, there's been some talk. Obviously, um, this next season is Team 99, um, and then my senior year will be Team 100. Um, so uh, it's a pretty big year for Michigan hockey, so obviously being the 100th year of program history. So um there's been lots of talk of possibly having a game at the big house for Michigan 100 hockey season. So um, I don't know too many details on it, but I think that that's probably something that is, has a high possibility of happening, which would be pretty special. Obviously I got to play in the outdoor game against Notre Dame last year, which was pretty cool. Um, but, but yeah, definitely playing Michigan state at the big house would be pretty special. Speaking of the big house, Wyatt Shue told me I, told me about a story and I got to ask about the infamous big house fitness test. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a nightmare right there. Um, you know, obviously when people walk by or drive past the big house, they're like, Oh wow. Um, for me, it's just straight PTSD because obviously, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we, 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 our Yost ice arena is just about a five minute walk away from big house. So you can see it as soon as you walk out the door. Um, and you know at 6 45 in the morning we get to the rink we have we have breakfast a light breakfast maybe a granola bar because you don't want to eat too much on this morning <laughs> um and you walk out the door 
and all you see is a big house and you know what you're about to do and it's run every stair in there um obviously uh it's a pretty big stadium holds about 115,000 people so you can imagine how many stairs there are um and you got to complete it in under 15 minutes which is not easy um that's for sure it's uh basically what like when you're at the bottom the stairs aren't too bad they might only be six inches high but they're like probably a foot or two long and then as you get to maybe like the 90th row or the 100th row i can't remember it um it turns into basically a box jump getting up because it, it becomes so steep so um you definitely don't want to gas yourself too early but uh it's it's a dreadful morning and <laughs> and we uh it's something that I'll never forget. That's for sure. It's probably the hardest thing I've ever done, to be honest. Um, you know, you, you, you try, you got to try and hold a steady pace the entire time, but um, you go up one and you're like, okay, like I can do this. And then you, you run all the way down the next row and then you go run up again. And then you get to about the fifth row and you're like, am I going to make it? Like, should I just pack my stuff and go back home to Saskatoon and go to the U of S or, or should I stay and try and grind this out? But Obviously, it's a it's a big mental game more than anything. Um, running up those stairs. It, What's the atmosphere like at the hockey home games in Michigan, and how does it compare to the basketball and football atmospheres? The big house is really cool, super loud. Obviously, it's outdoors, so it could be a lot louder if there was a dorm, uh, a dome over top of it. But then you go to Chrysler, you know, where the the men's and women's basketball team plays, um, and that's pretty cool too. It's pretty packed there for. So I think it'll be 10,000 fans that can fit in there. Obviously, a different atmosphere in a basketball game. Um, but then you go to Yost, and it's, like, pretty – it's not that big. It's only, like, 5,600 people. Um, but it's all metal in there. It's like a cathedral, and it's just um, loud the entire game. The fans are right on top of you. The children of Yost are right in the corner, right over top of the opposing team's bench, and they're always screaming, yelling down at them. They always got their signs. Um, I remember – one of the signs that are tripping the Ohio State goalie, um, Tommy Napier, they said, uh, it's a, it was a sign. They have, always have a whiteboard, and they write on their chirpings. I mean, even when we play Michigan State, they even say, um, this, they pull up the sign. It says, this is the school you can never get into. Um, so they get, they get ruthless, but it's all good fun. Um, but, yeah, Yost Ice Arena is unlike anything other. Um, a lot of people compare college hockey atmospheres to um, – any kind of atmosphere you might see over in Europe. It's pretty, pretty electric, kind of like a soccer game. Do you get a chance to attend many of the football or hoops games? Uh, yeah, I've been to, I think, three or four um, football games. Um, and then maybe one or two basketball games. Um, obviously, with our schedule with basketball, it's kind of tough because our seasons are kind of overlapping the entire, entire season. So... Um, but, yeah, I definitely go to a couple of those games during the week when they play. Um, it's pretty cool to watch uh, those guys shoot hoops, that's for sure. Is there any games you've been to that stand out, whether it be football or basketball? Um, any players in there? Players-wise, um, I mean, watching um, Peoples Jones, a uh, wide receiver, is pretty pretty special the way that guy can catch a ball. is uh, I've never seen anything like it, that's for sure. Those guys are pretty skilled. Obviously, everyone at Michigan is pretty good at their trade. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Obviously, you know, just going to those games is awesome. Um, big atmosphere. The, the, the 
overall Michigan like pride, the whole student pride for the school is pretty special. How does a hockey squad stand in the campus hierarchy? Is uh, football and basketball guys kind of like the kings, or do you guys kind of are in the mix of that as well? Yeah, those guys are the kings. Obviously, I think it. I think a lot of people would probably agree that we're probably third on the on the totem pole. Obviously, football first, then basketball, and then and then hockey. I'd say is is third. But yeah, those guys are. Those guys are the big dogs on campus. You you walk around, obviously they're all massive, um, just like six foot seven, three hundred pound linemen just walking around. So it's pretty cool when you see them. There's been a couple of Wolverines go in the past couple of NBA and NFL drafts. Guys like uh, Jordan Poole, Devin Bush. Have you got a chance to get to know any of those guys? And like, when guys like get drafted, what's the atmosphere like for the college and stuff like that? Yeah, um, it's pretty cool. Obviously, you know, you have classes with them. You do group projects with guys like that. Um, so it's pretty special to see. Uh, you like when you're when you're with them every day. You don't see them as those kind of people. But then when when draft day comes around and they get selected, you're like, oh wow, like this guy's the real deal. You know, like they they just got drafted to the NFL or the NBA. So it's pretty cool. But um, I'd say our team's a little bit more closer with guys on the baseball team, which is also really cool. A lot of them get drafted every year. Um, and you know, like a couple a couple of guys last year, they signed um, in the MLB, which is pretty pretty awesome. And obviously, you like hang out with them, do study sessions with them, so it's pretty cool. And you have classes with those guys, which is which is awesome. What's the buzz around like during draft time? Usually, is it pretty like uh, talked about, or is like the buzz different when it comes closer to those dates? Knowing like yeah. a couple of your guys are going for sure. Yeah, it's uh. There's a lot of buzz around the campus. Obviously, um, Barcelona, U of M, they, they always cover all that for us. So we don't have to do too much web surfing. Um, you just open your phone and you got all the updates. So it's it's definitely a big buzz around campus because, you know, people see like the whole part, the whole thing about Michigan is that it's like the true student athlete campus where like there's no online courses. Like all those guys that, um, you know, like Tom Brady's and all those guys, like they went to the school and they were in classes like any other student. Um, and uh, obviously it's a pretty big buzz when, you know, someone you're in a group project just got drafted in the first round of the NFL draft and, um, they're signed for millions two days after they wrote a midterm with you. Those that don't know, uh, your dad was just named head coach of the contacts and your uncle Lane has spent time with the Predators, Capitals and Islanders as an assistant. Is coaching maybe something that'll appeal to you down the line? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think whether it's playing or coaching or, or whatever it may be, I definitely want to stay in hockey for as long as I can. Um, it's been in my life since day one, obviously my dad and my uncle's playing. Um, but yeah, coaching is something that I would definitely love to do. I've done it a little bit here and there, um, coaching some summer hockey. Um, and then, you know, in the summer, um, there's some Michigan hockey camps that we run. So um, I can definitely see myself doing it. Um, but hopefully I can play for a little bit longer before I have to make that decision. Is there maybe an OB story that Lane's told you over the years that stands out to you? Um, probably just, you know, getting him to play in the D zone. He, um, I think that's one of the main reasons why they won the cup. Uh, obviously, my uncle's a forward coach, so he played a pretty big part in, in getting him to play more of a team game. And, um, he, he, he definitely told us some funny stories about how, obviously, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have the 
the many comments of season when he came in the NHL. He he said, "Wow, even Ovechkin dumped the puck or whatever." Yeah, that was classic <laughs> in his uh, Russian accent. So, um, but yeah, it's it's obviously a big big difference playing in, in the KHL to uh, the NHL for those those European guys. But yeah, Ovi's uh, seems like he's a pretty good character, but a nice guy at the same time, and, and obviously a great leader. Um, led the led the guys to the the Capitals to um, the Stanley Cup in 2017. I've heard you become friends with a lax legend around Michigan uh, named Max Yarrington. Um, yeah. I, I was just wondering if he's as big, of a, big as a weapon as I hear around a couple of buddies who know him here. Yeah, no, it's actually a funny story. He, it's, uh, we, sh- we share a yard, so my house is on one street, and he's, he's my backyard neighbor. So we, our houses back each other, and um, we, have a, we have a so-called fence. Um, not really there anymore, but, uh, yeah, you can just kind of walk into our yards and have some, have some good times in, in our backyard with a couple barbecues, maybe a couple games, um, throw the football around, you know, um, but yeah, he's a, he's a legend around campus, uh, you know, pretty good at lacrosse, um, another Canadian boy. So it's nice to kind of have someone from Canada and obviously knows some, uh, I think he knows Newton, Brett Newton. Yeah. That's, um, uh, where I got it from. Yeah. So he's, he's, uh. Yeah, Newt's is a good guy. Man, the first time I met him was in Waskasu, I think. Um, oh boy, that was probably yeah. a couple summers ago. A long weekend. I was probably in uh in the dojo with him. Yeah, yeah, I think you might have been there actually. Um, but yeah, um, you know, it's definitely good to see it. and there like I thought when I went there there's gonna be more Canadian guys on the team, but uh, there's like maybe two two of us. Um and even on the other teams, there's not too many, um too many Canadians. So it's good to see see Max with the rep in the Canadian flag. Jimmy, let's hope everything gets back to normal here soon and you can get back down to Ann Arbor. We appreciate you taking the time. This was awesome. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, boys. Again, big thanks to Jimmy for taking the time for the boys. We're hoping that things can get back under control here in the States shortly and he can get on the ice at Yost. And we'll stick with the theme of hockey here, boys. We keep getting closer and closer to the NHL resuming. We just got the schedule from the NHL August 1st. The puck drops on the 2020 postseason. Five games on the slate, including Jets-Flames, which concludes the evening. I know I'm fired up even to watch that Leafs-Habs tune-up game on the 28th in Toronto. Chetty, what are your thoughts on the schedule that just came out? I like it. World Junior style. You get to watch three games in one day. They're just using the same ice, getting the boys in and out pretty fast. Uh, Honestly, I don't know how Edmonton's going to fare. I do like Chicago. That's a lot of playoff really? experience. Really? Yeah, I do, man. I think that Taves and Kane. That, that's I, your only playoff experience. Who else is a holdover from those playoff teams? Seabrook, Keith. I don't think Seabrook. Or Crawford. Is he? Crawford got hurt, man. He's done. Oh, he's done. Man. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. But it, even, even Kane. Kane himself. Like, that's a lot of playoff experience. And I'm not saying, that obviously, the skill level on Edmonton's ridiculous. But you never know. Oilers have been in the playoffs before. Dreisaitl, McDavid. No, I, I know they've. I know it's they've not, been in the. Yeah, I know yeah. they've no, been in the playoffs, know, man. They, but they haven't won a cup. Yeah, Taves obviously. And, Taves and Kane have two cups. Yep. And I know I'm they're older. I'm on this one. I think if I had to pick like one upset, I'd place money on in this first round. Like that would make me a good uh, haul. I would be placed on Chicago. Well, well, let's the odds, bet on it the, then. The odds are going to be ridiculous. Okay, I want like stupid odds then. That's, what are you going to give me? Forty to one. No. Well, that's just let's well, see what it is online. Yeah, it's not 40 to 1, Eric. It's, it's a five game series. No, it's not. 
Matt, that's, what I'm ridiculous. that's my other point, though. It's only a five-game series, right? Yeah, I know. I know, but it, 20 to 1 odds, Eric, that is one of the most outrageous. Who would bet that? I also hope the Leafs lose out round one. That'd be hilarious being a, being a hub city. And I we'll get nothing more. Lafreniere. Oh, yeah, okay. You probably Leafs, would. Leafs too. are making it run. I, I guarantee it. They're going to come out buzzing. Boo. They, sh- they should. Matthews is quarantined now for 14, so he's back. Yeah, ready to he's go. He's recharged. Well, they're gonna get dusted. You'd rather you'd rather come out the second. You'd rather have him uh, get COVID now. Now he's fresh. He's guaranteed in for the playoffs. Yeah, but what, worry, what happens, what happens when, when one guy in, in that hotel gets positive test there, and they're all like, like I know they're in separate rooms, but they're all gonna see each other all the time. Then all of a sudden, you're they gotta shut that team down, do they not? It doesn't really sound like it. I don't know what the plan really is. Like, you could just test them. Like, it only would it take – I don't know. It doesn't sound like that's the plan. They said one positive test wouldn't really de- derail everything. How many positive tests did that MLS team have before they kicked them out of the tournament? Yeah, that's what we asked Nugent Bowman. It was like, what number – like, because at some point, a number of positive tests, like, you just kind of got to give them the boot, right? I think so. Yeah, because you can't just delay things for 14 days. It'll be crazy. Dinesh, uh, while we were busy golfing, uh, you were uh, glued to the fights on Saturday. What did you uh, think of everything that went down in the world of UFC this weekend? Uh, main card was pretty good, but too bad uh, Eric and I, Paige Van Zandt, didn't uh, get the W. She got submitted in the first round, so she's a pretty uh, weak way to go out, but that was her last fight on the contract, and uh, most of the talk was not even about the main event, really. It was after the fight. It was mostly about the co-main event where uh, Max Holloway kind of got robbed of uh, winning the belt. Everyone thought that he should have won. He won uh, rounds uh, one, two, three, and lost four, five, but they gave the belt back to the defending champ. So there's a lot of buzz around that and controversy. And uh, But other than that, and then the main event lived up to its expectations, I think. Uh, Jorge fought pretty good fight, went five rounds for six days notice. He had to cut like 21 pounds of weight in like six days. That was crazy. Yeah, so that, that's act, insane. And he, and he made way in. That was actually insane. Yeah. Uh, and apparently the pay-per-views did uh, 1.3 million buys. So that's There's pretty a good. in the States, apparently. Yeah, that's, uh, the States. Yeah, that's that was just uh, for the number United two. States alone. Oh, number two? Oh, okay. That was uh, number two... Uh, in history, oh, behind the Floyd and uh, no, Mayweather. behind uh, Khabib and uh, Connor. Oh, really? Khabib and Connor did like 2.1 mil buys, Jesus. So, yeah, so they were all happy. All the fighters are happy that the card did good because they all get a uh, percentage of the pay per view, like added to their whatever they made. So, yeah, yeah, Jorge said, uh, let's just put it this way I'm a rich guy now, <laughs> or something like that yesterday. So, but. I think it was overall good. I don't know what Eric thought about about the fights, but yeah, I, I don't know. It. I thought it was I thought it was pretty solid. Like I watched that uh, Peter Yan Jose Aldo, and Aldo got his ass kicked. Like I was very surprised. I don't know about your thoughts on adult ball, but I thought um, ref probably should have blew it off a little bit. Oh sooner. yeah, dude, he was getting hit. He, he definitely's concussed, man. He's definitely concussed. He's getting. Oh, he's got like from... freaking dent in his forehead. He's got fucking. He's fucked. His head's dude. He was getting mauled for the last like two and a half, three minutes, man. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Then I uh, watched the Usman and Masvidal. 
I actually thought that was a pretty solid fight. It wasn't as much in, like going on compared to the Holloway and uh, Peter Yanaldo fight, but uh, all in all, it was still a pretty solid fight. I would like to see Masvidal pull it off uh, after being so cocky and uh, feeling it coming into it. But uh, overall, pretty solid event. Yeah, he handled it pretty well, though, considering yeah. uh, he went to the press conference. He handled it pretty well. The loss, he took it. But uh, Kamaru Usman just did it the way he wanted to which is basically just wrestled the whole time. Yeah. What a setup, though, for those fighters. Hey, you're basically going on vacation to a private island, and then all you're doing is fighting for maybe an hour at night, and then you're just living on the beach, collecting checks. Yeah, it is actually a good meal setup. It's like, a lot talking. of parallels to uh, NBA and, and the UFC, like how they go, like, they're in Disney World in the NBA. And, uh, oh, I'd rather and, be on a private island, <laughs> though. Talk about that life. Yeah, yeah. They had a 10-mile square square radius it was just theirs yeah that's awesome and they had like pools beaches everything i'd rather be playing basketball than risking my life though Ooh, yeah dude the basketball players got it pretty good too man they have a golf course there in disney the wasn't Resort. there uh there's a video of jimmy butler fishing you see that yeah and, and all the guys are going <laughs> a lot of not all the guys but lots of guys are going fishing and on uh, pontoon boats going fishing in disney yeah and uh jason tatum is big into golf and he's always posting snaps of uh, him golfing. Then uh, how about the two guys who uh, fled the bubble? Oh, Rashad the Brazilian Holmes. guy. And, uh, yeah, Holmes on Sacramento there. Yeah. I was a stupid, fled. though. Yeah, he just crossed the street or whatever to get his uh, takeout. Yeah, Still, well, that's not allowed. Man. You yeah. can't leave. No, I know, I know. <laughs> just an idiot move. Like, it's so, like, these players are so stupid. Like, you got a chef to cooking it up. Like you got some of the some of up. the food looked a little questionable. Well, then order something else. I'm sure there's good food there. Like God, or at least you could get behind the damn kitchen and cook something up if you're going to complain about it that much. Like, come on. Yeah, I gotta agree with Matt on that. I gotta agree with Matt on that. I gotta agree with Matt. Like the food, some of the snaps that players are posting were like the food was kind of questionable. You like Eric, if you don't like it, then go cook the your own food. I don't know. Yeah, I I think these guys can't just go cook, Eric. Like. Yeah, not not like they go in the kitchen. Yeah, why not? There's, that's their choice. No, it isn't. They yeah, can't just to go cook or the, not to cook. They can't just go oh, in the yeah. restaurant kitchen and just start chefing it up. I'm sure they would let them. Just say, "Hey, give me some eggs. Give me some water, steak, and vegetables. I'll cook it up myself." I don't. I don't. Uh, I, don't I, I don't think that's how that works. But yeah, you're such a pinhead sometimes. Yeah, I don't guys think are just prima donnas. They probably don't even know how to cook. Did you see uh, Derrick Henry just signed a four-year, $50 million deal with the Titans? I did. Big news for uh, Titans fans, including Cole Arve. Dude, that's not that bad. I thought he'd want more. Matt, it just seems like teams are uh, hesitant to give those running backs those deals. We've seen it just fail so many times, right? So it'll be interesting to see what the running back market's like. I like, the, I, like the, I like the four-year only, though. I feel like he's got four more solid years, and then you'll see a little bit of a drop off. Still a lot, man, for running back. Take a lot of, a lot of knocks. Hey, your left tackle should be making the most on any football team. That's what they say. And the... besides the quarterback, right? So, unless you're Patrick Mahomes, then you yeah. probably get a hundred mil. Sticking with football, it's time now to send it over to interview with Jim Mullen which was recorded prior to the youth sports decision to not extend the age cap for football for the 2021 season, effectively ending the careers of over 200 student athletes across Canada, including five here in Saskatoon with the Huskies. 
We'll touch on that a bit after the interview, but regardless, still lots on the table, and Jim is as insightful as any when it comes to Canadian football. And with the weather warming up here in Saski, so are the conditions out on our province's fine tracks. And whether you're among the first out in the morning or just out for an evening nine, Player Golf has got you covered. Check out playergolf.com for all your golf apparel needs. And make sure you're looking fresh on the links. And we got the promo code to help you save a bit while doing it. Use Prairie20 for 20% off your order today. Support local and support the boys. And with that, we'll send it over to Jim. Joining the Prairie Perspective podcast now, the president of Football Canada, as well as the host of TSN's Crown Gridiron Nation, Jim Mullen. Jim, thanks for joining us. U Sports officially cancelled all fall sports, including football here, and while the writing's been on the wall since schools began announcing they would opt towards online delivery of classes, how do you believe this affects U Sports football in the long run? Oh, first of all, thank you guys for uh, welcoming me on the uh, podcast. Um, how this affects U Sports in the long run, I think partially it depends on, on how the conferences uh, choose to react to this decision. Uh, we've got three conferences that, that have made the move. Quebec is still holding out. Uh, they, they might have a little more flexibility than, say, Canada West that has uh, four uh, different uh, provinces and provincial barriers to work with. Um, I think the same can be said for the AUS, too. Um, uh, as I've said on other uh, radio interviews um, and uh, newspaper interviews, I think you have to take a look at it like this right now. Uh, from a school-by-school perspective. Um, The schools made the health decision uh, for uh, for their institutions uh, by, in many cases, going with distance ed. Uh, When you go with distance ed, you don't have student fees. When you don't have student fees, you don't have money to operate um, uh, athletic departments. Um, The decision made by the conferences was really driven by money, and that's where I think that uh, there's a bit of a concern for the future, uh, to speak to your question, uh, in that um, uh, now that uh, a number of these uh, operations are running deficits, I think you're going to have university administrators go back and take a look at the value of athletics, uh, take a look at uh, the budget space it takes up, and take a look at uh, uh, where revenue's coming in in other areas of the university, especially, for instance, in, in some cases, uh, the numbers that I see for foreign student registrations, um, uh, new registrations are down 50% and uh, return registrations are down at least 15%. So at, at some point, there's going to be a revenue gap that needs to be addressed. And I think it's uh, contingent upon those in the university athletic community to start building the case right now about how valuable uh, university athletics are within the campus community and the community at large. You're in Saskatchewan, there's obviously weather issues, but what are your thoughts on the possibilities of a spring schedule in the Canada West? Uh, the OUA is already looking at it, um, and they would have weather issues too, obviously, in Ontario, because you never know uh, what you're going to get. Uh, However it looks, it would be a truncated schedule. You're probably only looking at about uh, four games uh, with with schools who could participate. Uh, I know part of the concern in Ontario with the spring schedule is um, would teams be able to compete after experiencing budget cuts? Uh, We saw that uh, 
on Tuesday, Queens laid off 80 people in their, uh, in their athletic staff. Uh, they basically just laid everybody off. How could they start something up again uh, in the spring that would be able to compete? I'm sure that the University of Alberta, who was looking at a $2.5 million deficit um, going into this year in their athletics department, would be, would be hard-pressed to reassemble a team and then rehire uh, assistant coaches uh, and, and, and put something together. So if Canada West is doing something in the springtime, um, I've got to think it's going to be with, with leading schools that have alumni support uh, or, or have a structure that allows them to do so. Schools that I would look at would be UBC, would be Calgary, uh, which are very well-funded, Regina, which has put some money away. Those sorts of schools are the schools that are able to do it. Uh, Manitoba would be challenged. Uh, Alberta would certainly be challenged. I'm not sure where the, the, where the Saskatchewan Huskies would fall at this time. You spent a lot of time around the Canada West the past number of years, including a lot of time at Griffiths doing play-by-play -play for the Huskies games. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this impact on the Huskies program. I think it's a negative uh, impact uh, right across the board for all programs, but for the Huskies program, in one sense, they're, they're, they're somewhat fortunate. Uh, and that they're somewhat fortunate in that a number of their players are going to, uh, from, a, from an on-field and training perspective, remain with the Hilltops. Uh, as you know, uh, a number of the Husky players uh, attend uh, the university, pardon, a number of the Hilltop players rather, attend uh, the University of Saskatchewan on, on Hilltop-sponsored scholarships. Um, so, so that development and that training will continue uh, with, with, with a number of players in that age group. Uh, obviously, the CJFL um, is looking to find a way to play. They've uh, stated that as of September 1st, they want to get camps underway. They want to have play underway. It'll be a short, shortened season, too, because there's um, uh, some financial constraints there. But uh, the Huskies, like every other Canada West team, um, are probably worried about their recruits that are coming in this year. Will they, will they lose those recruits? Will some players just drop off uh, as a result of a year of inactivity? Will they find something else to do? I think the, the Huskies are exposed as any other team is exposed in Western Canada right now. Kind of building off that one, Jim, do you believe a program like the Hilltops, which thrives off players who commit themselves to a long-term junior career, would be interested in bringing a slew of Huskies just for that single season? The, the talk that I've heard from the CJFL is that they want to uh, place a limit on the number of youth sports players they bring on to their programs because they feel a sense of loyalty to those players who have uh, committed early and uh, want to stay within a program in a medium or a long term. Uh, the number I hear around the BCFC is five or six. And uh, right now the discussion is, do we, as the CJFL, apply a national standard to that, uh, to that number? Uh, or because there will in all likelihood not be a Canadian Bowl this year, even if junior plays, is this uh, something that the PFC wants to decide on their own? Is, and is this something the BCFC wants to decide on their own? So half a dozen seems to be um, uh, a good number and, uh, and a good fit. And uh, I I'm sure with the depth of talent the uh, Hilltops have, <laughs> they're, they're, they're the least likely to profit off of uh, bringing U-sports players onto their, uh, onto their rosters at this time. 
interesting looking at uh, Tyson and Jalen Philpot of the Calgary Dinos. Their dad is the coach of the Langley Rams, and they're often at the center of transfer talk. Do you believe that would be a valid option for them? Well, somebody here has put two and two together, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. uh, there, there has been a lot of talk about the Philpots playing with the uh, Langley Rams uh, this year. Um, uh, certainly, uh, there are voices in and around the Calgary Dinos program that would like to find a way to play uh, meaningful non-conference games um, with uh, with uh, teams in the Canada West or even, say, Laval, who has uh, been very strong in saying that uh, that they want to play football this year. They don't know how they'll play football this year, but they want to play. So Calgary, uh, if they can uh, piece together something of a non-conference schedule, may be able to retain the, uh, the Philpott twins rather than having them go to, uh, go to uh, Langley and play. Um, the good thing for any player playing on a U Sports roster this year because there's no championship uh, on a national level, um, any athlete who plays will not burn a year of eligibility. So uh, I'd, I'd say if the Dinos could put together a um, schedule that featured a, a UBC, Regina, uh, Laval, uh, and, uh, and maybe Saskatchewan uh, uh, schedule, it might be compelling enough uh, for them to stay in the Calgary program because uh, Talent-wise, it's probably a better test and a better showcase for them. No disrespect to the BCFC. Jim, do you believe this canceled season will lead to a massive amount of transfers between U Sports programs with players using this as a redshirt season of sort? Uh, I think that's inevitable. I think any any uh, any uh, athlete or any student athlete looking at this situation that that may want to actually change based on academic reasons as well might want to take a look uh, at another school or uh, at another situation. Uh, and in some cases, it, it may be financial as well. Um, you know, uh, uh, players in certain programs are dependent on work that pops up in the summer around summer camps and other things around campus activities. And that has been taken away from a lot of student athletes. And, and if they are student athletes who happen to be on the road and have been recruited out of their town, they may want to return home just based on, uh, on financial reasons. So, um, you know, it may not just be a, a football opportunity or an athletic opportunity, depending on the sport. It, it may come down to finances as well for these individuals if they want to transfer and shift schools. As the president of Football Canada, what has this process been like for you as you try to resume play? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, where do I start on that one? It's been a seven-day-a-week uh, process uh, since, the, uh, since the beginning of March. And it, it, I'd say on a personal level, it didn't help at the beginning of March that, that I was diagnosed from a distance with COVID, and I was down for about a month, and it wasn't very pleasant. Um, uh, so... Um, I, I, I lost some ground in terms of some of the planning uh, that we had, but we've, uh, but we've quickly gained it back. Um, uh, right now we're in the middle of a return to football document that will come out uh, this coming Thursday. Uh, we assembled 12 people from across the country. We have CFL input. We have uh, some people from U Sports with their input. We have the medical committee from the CFL reviewing the document right now uh, as we speak. And, 
well, it was easy for us back in March, around March the 12th, uh, to come up with a decision to uh, ban all face-to-face -face contact and play and training and practice uh, on a national level. Um, it wasn't as easy to bring football back on a national level. This is very much a province-by-province -province decision. Uh, so we had to research and, and detail a plan that allows provinces to, um, to look at a document and then check it off against what their provincial health ministry is, is saying before they get back, to, uh, get back to football. So what works in Alberta right now may not work in Prince Edward Island. And what works in Prince Edward Island may not work in British Columbia. Um, I think we're going to have a nation of, of minor and amateur football where we have some provinces playing football, uh, contact football, some of them just playing flag, and some of them just in training and getting access to, to some of our programs to, to stay engaged. Um, the one thing that we're also doing, though, is we're not taking our, our eye off of the future. Uh, we have discussed hosting a, um, a world championship in 2021. IFAF has come to us after the cancellation of the 2020s. So, so we're looking at that uh, as, as an option in a Canadian city. And, and that's a, that's a, I think that's a 50-50 proposition because of the virus right now, uh, quite frankly, but we still have to put the work in uh, to do the long-term planning at the same time as we're dealing with the with the uh, with the monster in the room right now, which is COVID. Looking south of the border, you helped kickstart the Cornish Trophy for the top Canadian in the NCAA. Chuba Hubbard was the 2019 winner, and he'll be back on the field in 2020. I'm curious about some of the other names of Canadians to watch for next year, suiting up stateside. Uh, you know, one guy that uh, that jumps out to me is uh, Benjamin St. Juice. He's a cornerback at uh, Minnesota. He started. Uh, his uh, his career at uh, at Michigan uh, was injured uh, two years in was written off by the Michigan program. They said he'd never play football again. Um, he he transferred as a graduate. So um, with that extra medical redshirt year, here's a guy that 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 was three years in, but actually had three years worth of um, of eligibility in front of him. He's got two years now, and he could qualify. Uh, for the NFL draft. So, so that's one guy I'm looking at. Another guy that I'm looking at is Curtis Rourke. He's Nathan Rourke's younger brother. Uh, he was a freshman uh, last year at Ohio, the same school uh, that Nathan went to. And if you talk to uh, high school coaches who have either worked with him or have seen him play, they say he can be better than, than his brother. And, and when you take a look at his measurables, you can probably see why. Well, Nathan Rourke kind of comes in at about six foot, six foot one. Curtis is six foot five. He's, he, he's, he's more of a presence in, a, in the pocket, still has some of that mobility that his brother had and, and, and has uh, really come along in terms of his uh, throwing mechanics and has uh, had two years to kick around and learn that offense in Ohio. So, um, I'm interested to see if, if he takes over uh, at Ohio. Man, there's a long, long list. Sidney Brown is another guy uh, at Illinois. He's got a twin brother that transferred over uh, from uh, Eastern Michigan at, at running back as well. Um, Sidney Brown um, led the team in, uh, in tackles as a defensive back. 
um, uh, last year. I think he's really ready to to step up as a as a dominant uh, uh, dominant player as well. And another guy, speaking of COVID, he picked up COVID uh, during the um, during the protests um, uh, about two weeks ago uh, at Oklahoma State. Defensive Player of the Year at Oklahoma State. He's out of Calgary. Amon Ogbong Bumiga. He was fifth in our um, tortoise trophy voting. Um, man, if there's a guy with sideline to sideline coverage that 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 is more well suited for the Canadian game, uh, I can't think of one than than Eamon. I think he will get uh, a good look at the NFL. But uh, man, that guy could really dominate at the Canadian Football League given the chance and given the room to develop. Sticking with trophy talk, I'll end off with this. Many of us in Sask were shocked about Adam Mackhart not winning the heck, falling to Western quarterback Chris Merchant. What were your thoughts on, on how that all went down? Well, I think Chris Merchant had a better year the previous year than, than this past year. And I think sometimes coaches get together uh, around the heck Creighton Award. I think we saw it with Daryl Stevenson years ago, too where it becomes a lifetime achievement award. And uh, I don't want to discount what Chris Merchant uh, did at, uh, at Western, but uh, I think that uh, Adam Mackert suffered from uh, being in the wake of Ed Ilnicki and a number of other players that had won uh, from Canada West. And, and sometimes there's this idea that, well, okay, Chris Merchant is overdue. And this award has mainly resided in Western Canada for a long, long time. So, so they regionally rotated it uh, to, to Ontario. I don't know how the vote broke down, but, uh, you know, um, when, it, when it comes to running backs winning national awards, uh, I, I'm really of the belief it's a running back and his offensive line in front of him. And, and I think not only was Adam Mackert discounted, uh, at the national level, but I think that offensive line that was put together at the University of Saskatchewan was also discounted in that process, and it's unfortunate that it broke down the way it did. Jim, thanks for taking the time. We wish you all the best here as you look to help get football back on the field here in Canada. Thanks very much. Sticking with football, there's some big news provincially here that uh, fifth years in youth sports aren't going to get that extra year of eligibility. It means the end of the career. For a couple Huskies here close to home, guys like Colton Clawson, Joel Piak, Joey Trumpy, Nick Summick. Um, Chetty, did you kind of look into that at all? What are your thoughts on on that decision from U Sports? I looked at it a little bit. Um, I think it's pretty brutal. I mean, those guys are preparing for their last season of football and then potentially having the opportunity to maybe try out for a Canadian team or I guess just finish up their degree and now those guys are just going to be going to school and won't be able to play football. So I think they should have changed it to allow those guys to return. I don't really see how that's fair, but I guess at the end of the day, maybe there was a lot of fifth years in the CIS. So they had to come to some sort of decision, but I feel terrible for those guys. That's like missing your last year of baseball or last year of any sport really like you have one more year of eligibility and you're aware of that and then it gets taken away from you because of this virus i don't think that's fair yeah it's already shitty enough that those guys weren't they were expecting their fifth years to be this year right and then well maybe if they want to stay around they have that option on the table for 2021 if they're when there's a season next but just place them be. on the just place them on the injured reserve redshirt them for a season and then let them finish next year but they'll be too old that's the issue right the age cap 
Oh, it's an age cap. So yeah. 25, you can't 20. play past 25. Correct. That's the issue. Yeah. Oh, I actually yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, They're thing. not stripping away eligibility, but age cap is an issue. And it mainly affects players that play junior. So yeah, another, another wrinkle would be like a guy like Adam Mackhart. He was expecting to have two seasons left. Now he's only going to have one. So there's mm. going to be, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of issues down the line, but it, it's tough. It's a tough decision because it impacts incoming recruits, right? They were expecting to maybe compete for a job or dress but yeah i see what i gotcha i gotcha i think it's just a hard situation too okay because they can't really just like screw off with their incoming class of new recruits right yeah but i think you kind of have to i mean kind of got to show loyalty to guys who've already like it's kind of a big fuck you to like anybody that's played in the program for that long right like i think it's kind of yeah but at this point though would you rather like i don't know like how good any of those players you just mentioned are but like wouldn't you almost want to give it like some of these younger guys a chance to come into the program and then grow to maybe to where those guys are? I mean, out of them ready to go. Yeah, but sooner? for if you're a team like the Huskies, whose goal is to win a Vanier Cup, you're going to want guys like Colton Kloss and guys like Nick Summick who were drafted in the CFL in your lineup. Like, you're not just going to yeah. say, hey, I want this high school guy from Evan Hardy over there, right? Yeah. All right, boys, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. And a big thanks goes out to Player Golf for their continued support of the podcast. This wouldn't be possible without them. Tune in next week for another banger of an app. You don't want to miss it. Until then. <laughs>